Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, episode... 40 of Biscuits Calling a Hockey Podcast, Season 2, Episode Something or Other. The one where we talk about the Senators again, if this was a Friends episode. I am Dave. I am in Brooklyn. You know Sean. Sean's in Ottawa. Say hi, everybody. Sean. Hey, everybody. Hello from Ottawa. Are you sick? Because I'm sick, and I can hear my voice in my ears, and I can really, really tell how sick I sound right now. No, I'm uh, I'm I'm not sick yet. I'm just sitting up here in in Ottawa for now. I I might I might just pick up and move this entire operation somewhere wow. else. Well, are you are you not happy? Do you feel like do you feel like that your your family and the, your neighbors aren't being loyal to you? I just you know I feel like uh, after wow. the year we had last year, uh-huh. where we we talked about Joe Sakic and Matt Duchesne all year. I, I think we should uh, the listeners should be uh, uh, filling the uh, five star ratings and. Uh, paying much higher prices than they are. And so I'm just going to take everything and, and go to Houston. That's how this works, right? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, sidetrack the show, but didn't one of our listeners give you a liver to, so you could stay alive? Like you can't just do this right away. That was, right? That was months ago, Dave. Wow. This is. But this is, but I don't know that the timing of yes. this seems weird because we're just about to do our first outdoor podcast. I don't know if you want right. to do it's, this now. It's weird. And especially since I admonished you recently for uh, speaking about potentially moving on to somewhere else. And uh, now I'm doing the exact same thing myself. Oh, my goodness. I don't know where I'm getting, uh, where I'm learning this from. Don't you think this is going to alienate the listeners? The listeners are not going to be happy about this. They, they might stay away more now from the five-star ratings because you're doing this. I think I think they'll be fine. I'm, I'm a pretty charismatic guy. I trust myself to to really sell this. And uh, I think I think they're going to love it. All right. I mean, we'll we'll see how this plays in the we'll see how this plays in the media. Um, I, I feel like this isn't going to go over too well, but you know what? You're, you, I, when, Have when I we ever are, been wrong before on anything? No, other than literally everything constantly. I mean, this podcast we basically are the billionaires of of podcasting. So I don't see how this could ever backfire for us because we're part of the point zero 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 one percent of podcasting. So I think we'll be fine. Yeah, but exactly. Exactly. But anyway, um, hey, so welcome to the Ottawa Senators Hockey Podcast. I'm I'm Dave, your 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 resident Ottawa Senators hockey analyst, and that's Sean, who is in Ottawa, conveniently yeah. enough. And I'm, in, I'm embedded here in the uh, in the, city, the leading the Ottawa bureau. I gotta say, like Senator fans, you have 
for years and years and years, you have complained that your team did not get enough attention. <laughs> Seriously. You were always second fiddle <laughs> to Toronto and Montreal. And even last year in the playoffs, you, you were, you were very upset that uh, you weren't the, uh, you weren't headline uh, front page news. You got your wish. Good news. The Ottawa Senators are the talk of the NHL for the second consecutive week. I think they're the talk of this first podcast time, uh, now for like, I think we've talked about them because we, our, our first show back was the, was after the Duchesne trade. And then after that, yeah. it was just about how the trade wasn't working out really well for Ottawa. And I'm pretty sure we had two other ones in there because the, the losing streak for Ottawa was so long that we kept coming back to it. And now and here then, we are. Oh, we had the outdoor game had last the week. Carlson thing. The Carlson and, and now, and, now and, and so now we've got this week, which was supposed to be the from an Ottawa perspective. This was supposed to be the good week, the positive one, where we were talking about the outdoor game and how great it was, and the alumni game, Parliament Hill, and the Fan Fest, and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. Ottawa finally had its chance to shine. With a pretty, you know, pretty big ticket event on the weekend where the NHL was celebrating its 100th anniversary of its first games, mm-hmm. uh, so this was the part where everybody was supposed to be singing the praises of Ottawa as a hockey market and right. as a as a team, and they won the game. They had a big 30, win, thirty thousand people. They, they had they had the same attendance basically as the Great Cup, right? Like a little bit of a difference, but yeah, still well, thirty thousand. They sold people. it out. They, yeah. So whatever the whatever yeah. the attendance was, and the you know, I can tell you, I I didn't go to the game, but I I took the kids down to the fan fest, and you know, they got to see the Stanley Cup, and they had a little uh, ball hockey rink where you could run around and play, and and everybody had a great time. So I mean, it was it was really well done. We went and saw the rink on Parliament. It was it was beautiful. It was you know everything looked great. Uh, this this should have been an unqualified success and instead like just about everybody else we're gonna spend most of our time talking about the senator's owner who decided that this was the moment for him to play the i might pick up the team and move it somewhere else card i just can't get over i mean this always happens when when there's new teams and relocation becomes a possibility where every owner in some market that's not doing well tries to use that new city, Seattle or Houston or Quebec or whatever, as like a bargaining chip. Like, oh, oh, I need a downtown arena. Or, hey, you never know. We're going to maybe move. And so it's kind of par for the course when an owner does that sort of thing, even if it was as passive aggressively as Melnick did it on Friday. But, man, the timing of it, the, 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 the whole thing where he was going to die two years ago, if not for the fact he owned a hockey team and a hockey fan was like, take my liver. I don't want you to die. I want the Senators to win a Stanley Cup, so I'm going to go under the knife and have surgery that could kill me. I mean, you you go under for anesthesia. You may not come back. And, and he said, here, take my liver, Mr. Billionaire, because I want you to continue to thrive and live your life. And then 18 months later, or however long it was, 24 months later, he says, you know what? I just don't know if Senators fans here have the passion and loyalty to come out and and, and support this team. Like I I, yep. I I I like seriously. Like if I if I borrow twenty bucks from somebody, I feel like I feel like that I owe that person my life. Like I'm like I'll, I'll get it back to you. Look, I just I I only, I only have my my debit card, my credit card. I need a cash to pay for this. But I seriously, next time we go out, I'll, I'll buy two rounds. I'll buy I'll, I'll get you back. And Melnick Melnick got an organ. He got an organ from a person. <laughs> Not like an organ you play with your fingers. He got an organ that went inside his body and is still there keeping him alive. And he had the nerve to do that on the Friday before the outdoor game. 
Like, even Gary Bettman wouldn't do that. That's insane to me. That's an insane amount of rich guy just living in a bubble yeah. bullshit. I just, I, I'm I'm still mad. I'm, I'm when, not even from Ottawa, I'm mad. When Gary Bettman is showing up and, like, walking back. <laughs> Seriously. Comments, you know. He's like, he's like Homer in the gift and, and going and back like to the, the bushes. Is, the, the context is important here because people need to understand, like, Eugene Melnick like I always feel like there's a big difference between what somebody says if they like put out a statement where it's been clearly they've they've thought about it, they've chosen the words carefully versus something they say in a media scrum versus something they say when they're maybe caught off guard. So you know, there I I know there's I've heard from a few people who said, you know, may, maybe it didn't come out right. Maybe he he oh. was caught off guard by a question in this oh. media scrum, but the thing is he he had like a few and and media appearances and 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 that sort of thing like it, it, it on Friday night as you were like reading these quotes that were coming in from Eugene Melnick they, they were coming from different sources like he went on TV he went on like clearly this is something where I don't know that it came out exactly the way he would want it to but this was clearly a topic that he felt like it was time to discuss and you know he picked his he picked his time and I can tell you that you know probably won't be any great surprise to anyone, but but being up here in Ottawa, it's it's not playing well. <laughs> there, there are a lot of fans who are okay. kind of like, not now, man. Like this was this was not the time. This was really our chance to enjoy something and and like I say, shine a little bit in the in a spotlight we don't get very often. And instead, yeah, talking about the owner and and you know there's. Yeah, there, there's a lot of resentment because there's a lot of people here who, you know, I mean, the, the numbers are what they are. They're, the attendance has not been great. And this is a team that doesn't, you know, the ticket prices are not very high. And, the, you know, I, I, I don't doubt that the bottom line numbers don't add up as well as they would like. And that that is an issue. But there's, you know, there's a lot of fans here who feel like they've been very loyal and that they've uh, spent a long time supporting a team that certainly over the last decade since they made their trip to the final has not really ever been right what yeah. you would consider a cup contender they've you know last okay. year's they've been at- last year's playoff run notwithstanding uh and have continued to support and come out and you know pay the prices and sit in the traffic jams and all of that uh and and to be told that you know hey I'm never going to sell the team but I might pack it up and move it was was pretty much the exact opposite of what I think a lot of people here were looking to hear. And and the thing that gets me too is like the team hasn't really been terrible for the past decade, but you're right. It's kind of been in that like middling area where you're never going to get the first pick, that's, but you're never going to be And that's the problem, there. right? They're they're stuck but, in the middle. Yeah, but 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 up until the last 2 years, they've been pretty much drawing like 18,000, 19,000 on average until this last It is weird that you do go to the conference finals and then this year the attendance is worse than it was the year before. I understand that. I can see as an owner, you look at that and you're like, "What the heck's going on here?" But I don't know. I just I just I would I would look inward and be like, "Hey, what's going on on my side of things where maybe I can look inward and and have some introspection and say to myself, "What what is wrong with the franchise where we're we're losing fans despite having one of our best seasons in a decade, our yes. best season in a decade, as opposed to being like, you poor people don't give me enough of your money. Why is that? You know what? I'm gonna go uh-huh. somewhere else and 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 let people cheer the team and like really, really, 
That's yeah. that's that's your reaction to that. So I I just I, I and that because that would have been perfectly legitimate if he had said you know look this is a great weekend and you know we're 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 all looking forward to it but you know we we do have to consider that you know attendance is down and we're trying to figure out why that is and you know we'd like feedback from the fans yes, about you yes. know, their their experience and tell me what's wrong and i will i will like, see what i can do as yeah. opposed to you people there, there was a loyal. way to do it um, but you know the way it came across and and i mean the other thing that you know we should we should make clear here is you know eugene melnick said I'm never going to sell the team, but I might move them. And he made, in, at a couple of different points, he made comparisons. He he, he compared it to owning a McDonald's. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he also compared it to owning a grocery store. Same thing. And he basically said, you know, if you're, you're not, you're not selling enough groceries and there's a grocery store down the street that sells more. And, you know, referencing presumably Toronto and Montreal, that you know, maybe you got to go find a different location for your grocery store. So we should be clear here that owning an NHL team is not like owning a McDonald's <laughs> or a grocery store. It's not a piece of property that once you own it, you can just put it wherever you want. Like he, he makes it sound like all he has to do is pick up the phone and call Gary Bettman and say, "Hey, Gary, heads up! Uh, it's it's <laughs> the Houston Senators now. We're we're heading down." He thinks and that Gary though. goes, "Oh." Okay, thanks. Thanks, huge. Thanks for letting us know. And and then that's it. That's not how it works. Like NHL teams are very, very hard to move. They, you know, I, I like I know Gary Bettman takes a ton of even to this day. There's a ton of bad feelings from hockey fans because when he first came on board, you had four teams basically move right away in in rapid fire. You, you had Minnesota, Quebec, Winnipeg, Hartford, all go in the first four or five years. But since then, the last 20 years, this league has moved one team, and that was the Thrashers mm-hmm. in 2011. That is, this league has been, in terms of franchises moving, this league has been more stable than the NBA. It's been more stable than the NFL in the last 20 years. And that's like that's not because things are going great. That's not because like everybody just, it, all these markets are thriving. And, and there are many markets in the NHL that are doing far worse than Ottawa on its worst day and are doing far, far worse than, you know, for example, Calgary, which is the other team that's sort of playing this card right now. And, you know, the idea that, well, I'm never going to sell the team, but I might move them. Well, you know what, if you go to the NHL and say, I want to move, the first thing the NHL is going to tell you to do is no, go sell the team, go look around. We're going to find an owner in Ottawa if you don't want to be here, we'll find an owner who does, and that's your option. So, you know, this idea that, you know, if, if Eugene Melding doesn't get his way and, he you know, he gets a little cranky, he's just going to pick up and move. That's not how this works, uh, and it's it's not how it works in Calgary either. And, you know, for, for you know, it's funny. I, I wrote about this on Friday about the Calgary thing before it happened in Ottawa, like, I don't, I feel like the league doesn't understand the damage that this does. Like when you've got a product that relies almost entirely on loyalty to, to keep the dollars rolling in because teams can't be good all the time. Uh, the product certainly isn't good all the time. You're really banking on, on loyalty from your customers to, to play this game, even as a bluff, 
You know, even if it's something like in Calgary where literally nobody seems to take it seriously that they're really going to move. Like this, it does damage, you know, like if, if some, some fan out there and, and it's not, not that it does mean that some season's ticket holder is going to cancel their tickets and never watch the team again. It's, it's it, it is know, though. Being a fan is, it not, is a little bit though. Like if you're, if you're a season ticket holder and, and you learn that the thing that you've invested in your time and your emotion in might not be here because the owner's looking to leave at some point. Why would you continue to invest all that? You know, I do, I do think that's a possibility. It, it, it is possible, but even then, like, I feel like this is, we all kind of make this mistake when we talk about being a hockey fan where we act like it's a switch. It's on or it's off. And it's not. It's it's a dial. Like, there's a 0 to 10 setting, and, you know, it's, you know, whenever, you know, if the games aren't good because scoring's down or if they change a rule that people don't like or if, you know, if when, every time there's a lockout, right, people go, well, what are you going to do? You're not going to be a fan anymore? No, I'm still going to be a fan, but that dial gets turned down, you know, right. even if it's just half a notch, that adds up when you're, you're talking about, you know, potentially tens or hundreds of thousands of fans that make up your fan base. Um, you know, if just a few of them feel a little less like they're part of something with this team, because you drop this thread on them, uh, that adds up, you know, and, and it's certainly vision here in Ottawa already wasn't great. And this just, I, I can't, I've tried to come at it from so many different angles and I just can't see one where this made anything better for anybody. You know what? You say that and now I'm thinking back to the beginning of the podcast where we, we threatened to relocate. Should we have just asked the listeners what we could do better as opposed to, because now I feel like that people aren't listening anymore. I, I, maybe maybe we screwed up. There was, You know what? There, were, there was kind of a... Yeah. It, that does sound sort of familiar now. Hmm. I didn't... Uh, didn't really pick up on it at the time because it was really subtle, but yeah. I think, but, oh. I think you might be right. But with the thing with Melnick too is that the, the Senators, the, you know, the, the years between 07 and last year when they got to the conference finals, they, they weren't exactly spending money anyway. You know, like they were never in the top no. half of 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 the of the salary spent of, of money spent on payroll, and people yeah. still went to games. So. You should ask yourself, why are people no longer coming, even though we really haven't changed the business model mm-hmm. and we actually are better, as opposed to, uh, uh these 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 Cretans, they're not they're not loyal. They're probably watching the Leafs games now, which I wonder is if that's possible because the Leafs are actually good and fun again. But I don't well, know. I I don't know if they're watching Leaf games, but I will tell you that it was it was a lot easier to to market the Senators when the Leafs were terrible because yeah. you could just point down the road and and Eugene Melnick did this a ton of times where people would say how come we don't spend near the cap and he'd go well what do you want to be like the Leafs they spend to the cap and look how look how uh, big of a joke they are so having the Leafs potentially building an actual contender while all this is going on is is just kind of you know one one more problem but I like I don't know I I Knowing as many Senate fans as I do and being here, I still can't really figure out what's going on. Like, I don't understand why they're only getting 13,000 after last year's runs. I mean, the, the Sense fans in general are a pretty smart group. I, I think they understand that last year's run was fluky. One of those things that comes along every now and then, and yeah. it's great and you enjoy it. But I, I don't think anyone's walking around thinking this is the third or fourth best team in the league just because they they lasted that long in the playoffs. And and the, the one sense that I get is just 10 years of being in the middle has, has worn on people here. 
because they sort of feel like, you know, again, they're, they're smart enough to look around the league and see how winners get built. And, you know, we've, we've had that conversation before about, about tanking, about the Pittsburgh model, Chicago kind of did it. Lee did it. You know, other teams are, are doing it, not having success, but it's, uh, you know, they, they can see how you build an elite team. And there's this feeling, and there's long been this feeling in Ottawa that the Senators will never do that because the Senators cannot afford to miss the playoffs. Uh, certainly for you know two or three years that it might take to do a total reset. And I, you know, I just feel like at some point, Senator fans are kind of like, you know, is this is this it? Like, is this we're just yeah resigned to always finishing somewhere between twelfth and eighteenth, and then you know, making the playoffs and then we hope we go on a run and we had one last year and it was fun. Uh, but you know, here we are right back to, you know, to being this, this kind of stuck in the middle team. And from the flip side, the senator's organization is kind of looking at the fan base saying, we might like to reset and rebuild and build an elite team, but we don't trust you guys to still come to the games. We don't trust that we're not going to be playing in front of 10,000 every night. If we're out of the playoff race by, by November and you know but depending on how this season goes we might get an interesting test case on that if if the senators don't turn things around because they might be out of things by January and I I guess we'll see and if if the building is literally half empty at that point then I don't know where you go from there yeah but the thing they they benefit from this year is they play in the worst division in hockey so they're they're never going to be out of it out of it until March probably even if they are out of it like they're still in a spot where they could catch up to the third spot in the division so yeah they, they, they could and you know the and the other thing is going to be you know what even if they are out of it do they do they say that or does it become a situation where you have to keep keep pretending you're in it and I'll tell you uh you know get ready to hear the name Andrew Hammond a bunch uh in Ottawa if, if they're well out of it and fans are saying, you know, calling for a real, we're 10 points back. Let's trade some guys. Let's rebuild. Let's aim for the future. You're going to hear a lot of people going, well, remember the Andrew Hammond year when they were 10 points back and they went on that crazy run and, yeah. and slipped into the playoffs. Who's who's to say it couldn't happen again? Who's did it, to say but didn't they, lo- didn't they again? lose in the first round that year? They lost to Montreal that year in the first round, didn't they? They lose yeah. in like yeah, five or six. They didn't go far. Yeah. So it was... It was it's uh yeah i mean it's it's th- this is kind of that thing is you know in the nhl if you want to win a stanley cup you got to be prepared to 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 eat some pain beforehand and it's you know some teams it's easier than others you know the maple leafs could do it for a couple of years and and still sold out the building and still made a ton of money and the senators don't seem to feel like that's an option that's available to them and and there's other teams in the league that are in that situation too um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. Cause I mean, there's like, there's like three types of markets in the NHL. There's the really good markets. And when I say really good, I just mean like from a, from an owner's perspective, you know, the, the, the Toronto's and, and some of the others where you go, it, we're, we're still going to do fine. Even if we're lousy, there's the markets that are just lousy all the time where it's kind of like, well, we might as well finish last because right. that's the difference between having 10,000 fans and 11,000. So let's finish last get those 10,000 fans, hope we hit on something and, and can build a cup contender. And then maybe that's what brings us up. And then you got those markets that are right in the middle. And Ottawa's kind of that right in the middle market where they're, they don't really seem to know which way they can go. And sometimes that 
ends up meaning that you got, you kind of get paralyzed and you just keep driving straight down the middle lane. And I, you know, at a certain point, your fans realize what's going on and start to go, you know what, are we, how invested do we really want to get in something that we know is very unlikely to ever end with the Stanley cup and is most likely just going to involve us going out in the first or second round year after year. But I just refuse to believe that UG Melnick is as poor as he says he is because, like I said, before the past two years, attendance was there pretty much packing the building every night. The NHL as a whole, oh, we've never been better, blah, 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 all this stuff. And now you have a season and a quarter where attendance is down and suddenly UG Melnick is like pulling his pockets out and saying, oh, I don't have any money. If you're worth $1.2 and you're not spending your money on payroll – I, I, I fail to understand well, how you can't possibly and that's it. I mean, fund an that's, organization. He, he sort of touched on that a little where he's, you know, I, I think Eugene Melnick would would have you believe that he, he himself is fine, but that he's not willing to yeah. personally lose money on, on this team. And, and from what you hear, and obviously, you know, you got to be careful with this because NHL teams, they don't open the books. And every time you say anything about what the books might look like, they always tell you they're wrong, but but they'll never they'll never show you otherwise. But the, you know, from what you hear about the senators, the the issue uh, that really seems to be a problem there is is that you know when when you look at what they spend on players versus what they bring in, and you know the fact that they, I mean, they had they had three playoff rounds last year. The balance sheet there should look okay. Mm-hmm. The issue uh, potentially is that. You know, d- dating back to when this team was first purchased, they took on a lot of debt. And the problem with taking on debt is you've got to keep hitting those payments, and you know, and 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 rolling it over, and sometimes refinancing it. And you get into a situation where even when you're making money, you're you're not making money because you know there there have been some. You know, I, I saw one post to say, you know, blog posts somebody did, but they had a financial background and they were, they were saying, here's my best guess as to where the senators are at. And their guess was that the team, you know, from a pure plus minus perspective made, made a, a lot of money last year because of the playoff run, but it was all eaten up by debt payments. And, and so they, uh, you know, they, they don't end up in the black and the rumors here in town about you know the what are they doing with the front office and the scouting staff and um, you know are they willing to spend there they've been spending on the team i mean they've got one of the higher payrolls in the league they're not right up against the cap but they're not that far from it but but you know, right but right now right, right now do you know says, do you know how much debt there is like is there like a dollar amount in terms of like how much they would have to pay at this exact moment to get it all off the books no but but it's i mean it's in the you know and again nobody Nobody knows, but the you know the the uh, the numbers that float around is that it's you know it's in the millions of dollars per year. It's it's enough that if if they don't make the playoffs, it could be a situation where they say, okay, we've got to we've got to cut payroll by ten million, or we've got to cut this or that. And you like, know, maybe that's maybe that's where the rebuild comes from. Maybe it's Pierre Dorian going into Eugene Melnick's office saying, hey, let me do this full rebuild, and I'll get your payroll down to the floor for a couple of years. Yeah, but uh, and we tread water that. <laughs> But then, if you're worth one point, you, if you're worth one point two billion, and and it takes a twenty five million dollar check to get rid of the debt, 
wouldn't you just cut $25 million check as opposed to paying payments every year with interest that would cost you more than $25 million? I mean, like, if, I'm only going on how I if, manage my finances. I feel like that's probably easier if you have $1.2 billion worth of, you know, yeah. worth. I don't know. If if you do have $1.2 billion I mean, I do. Of, I mean, I do, but I don't And if, if that $1.2 million is real money that you have access to and not not paper. Yeah, that, sell, sell uh, some horses, buddy. If you if you can't you. if you can't afford to run an NHL team, get, sell it to somebody else. Don't threaten to move it to friggin' Houston. And, and that's it. I mean, that's what sense fans are saying is they're that you know they're. I, I'm sure that uh, you know most most sense fans. I would hope do remember the Eugene. I mean, he came along when this team legitimately was in danger of of maybe moving back in 2003. I mean, remember they were bankrupt. Like they literally missed player paychecks. Which I mean, when that's happening in pro sports, you know that you've got a, a really messed up situation. I mean, the players did not get paid at one point during that 2003 season uh, back under the old ownership, and and Eugene Melnick came along and he he saved the team and he kept it in Ottawa and and, and all of these things. And so I, I I think there there should be some gratitude there, but I think that it, like the gratitude is yeah. By this point, it's kind of like, yeah, I'll I'll buy you a beer if I see you, or I'll buy you, you know, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you, buy you a Coke. But please sell the team to somebody who can right. run it in a way that that is going to allow us to to be something other than like the background extra of the NHL, who's kind of there, uh, standing behind the Maple Leafs or the Blackhawks or whoever is is getting to be the star of the show. You gave us a team, we gave you an organ. Let's call it even and never mention either one ever again. How about that? Uh, what's what's your what's your? I know I know you wanted to talk about the uh, the, the hundred years stuff, and you've you've broken down what you think are the best and worst seasons, and I'm I'm scrooging it because I don't really feel like it's possible to do that. But where where does where, as a, as a Sens fan like you are, where does the 067 season rank? <laughs> uh, you know what? Yeah, that's that's right. It's it is. Got a rank happy stuff. Happy birthday to the NHL. Again, happy today. birthday. You turned 100 again. You don't want to admit you're 101, but that's okay. We understand. Aging is difficult. Yep. Yeah, 100. Uh, so, so yeah, no, this was, uh, I, I've got a piece that is going up on Sportsnet today. Probably is up by the time that people uh, that, uh, that people hear this, where I came up with the the brilliant idea that it would be fun to rank all 100 NHL seasons. That's insane. You're an, uh, you're you're a crazy person for even pitching that to idea. The best. Well, oh my yeah, god. That, that, I can't imagine. Yeah, you know, you ever have an idea that seems like a great idea when you pitch it, and then you get halfway through, and you're like, I've <laughs> bitten off way more. This than is I can chew. Here. This is not worth my freelance rate. Why am I doing this? <laughs> this this was uh, yeah. It ended up being a, a bit of a project, but it was it it, it was fun, and uh, I look forward to it going up so that people can scan it. Control F for their personal right. <laughs> favorite season when their team won the Stanley Cup, and then call me an idiot and because I bitch at I you on Twitter. Fifty third. Everyone knows ninety two, ninety three was the sixth best season, not the seventh best season. Sorry. Yes. That's <laughs> so. So that yeah, that will be fun. But yeah, we're at two thousand and seven. I did not have two thousand and seven ranked very high. I mean, that wasn't a particularly good so what, season. So what are your top three? What are your what are your what are your elite NHL seasons? Give me your give me your my takes. number one. And this is the the I, I was I was saying this to my editor. I'm I'm fully prepared for all sorts of pushback and argument and and people telling them I'm telling me I'm wrong. That's that that's why you make a list like this is is so you get that uh, you know mm-hmm. 
generate that kind of discussion. That's the fun of it. The only one I will not accept anyone telling me I'm wrong on is the number one season wait, on the list. Wait, can I guess what it is? You can, you can, add, you, you, it shouldn't even be a guess. Oh, really? You, you should be just simply stating the very obvious fact that there is one season that is head and shoulders far better than any other. 85, 80, 85, 86. No. 87, 88. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. No, you're uh, guessing, Dave. Uh, the, the the best season, hands down, NHL history, 1992-93. Really? That was because because everything cause, happened that year. But that was that was that, was that the that was the year that there was the Tampa come in that year, Ottawa come in that year. I get lost around Tampa that. Tampa and time. Ottawa did come in, which was like the fourteenth most newsworthy thing that that happened that year. So that that was the year that first of all you had the Habs go on their their crazy run, win their their last Stanley Cup, ten ten straight overtimes. Uh, you had Timo Solani seventy six goal season. You had the Leafs coming back and everything that that happened with that playoff run you had the Gretzky high stick you had the McSorley stick measurement uh you had May Day in Buffalo you had scoring was crazy there were there were all sorts of there was like uh, I know like from a Leafs perspective Doug Gilmore had 127 points and finished seventh in the scoring like offense was was yeah uh it was it was the last great offensive year uh, Eric Lindros debuts. You had Domi versus Probert, and all, with all of that, the very best part of the whole season, which was almost ridiculous. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't put it in a movie because it would be too over the top. Is Mario Lemieux, the best player in the league, leading the league and scoring halfway through, mysteriously vanishes for a few days, reemerges to announce that he has cancer misses two months and then comes back and regains the scoring title and leads his team to a 17 game win streak sets the sets the all-time record and then goes into the playoffs and they get upset by David Volek in game seven overtime best season ever easily no okay question. see see here's here's my thing about the whole season ranking thing like let's say you let's say you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan that season you don't like that season at all. That season sucked for you. You had you had to watch your crappy oh, your first, lightning. Yeah, your but, first season, you're pretty happy. But yeah, no, you're you're right. This is like it, it's so hard. Everyone to do. is going to whatever season your team won is going to be your favorite. See, and and plus the other thing is, and and I I mentioned this in the in the in the article was like, you know, how much scoring do you like? Did you like it when in the '80s when there was eight goals a game, or did you think that was way too much? Like that's going to affect. Do you like do you like fighting? Then you're going to you're going to lean towards the seventies and you know, maybe not so much today's game. Do you, you know, are you, how old are you? You know, the, I remember reading once somebody said that the, the best year ever for pop music was whatever year you turned 16. Right. Yeah. And exactly. it's been garbage ever since then. And it's kind of, <laughs> there's an element of that. So, um, 
it's it's you know so yeah the people aren't going to aren't going to agree with everything um wait were you were you were you 16 were you 16 were you 16 during that season were you 16 during that season were you 16 during that season i you were (laughs) at the start start of the season Uh, season, that's great that has has nothing to do with anything (laughs) so what was the second best season 93 94 or, or 91, I, I, I 92. Think 67 is the second best season. I had 93, 94 in the top 10 as well, because I think that was like the s- sequel that was almost as good, um, but not quite. I had I had 93, 94 in the top 10, and I had 94, 95, I think, in the bottom 10, because you get the first lockout. Yeah. Plus, Hockey the Devils win the cup and introduce the neutral zone trap and yeah. begin the dead puck era that is still ongoing. So, I mean, that was... Yeah, doing the bottom ten was was almost as much fun because that will that'll really make people mad if I picked like the year that your team won the cup. Okay, but how did you? So you're going to be coming after me hard. Obviously, we did the the top 100 players list, and that's kind of hard to do when like a lot of the guys we're ranking basically died before we were born, so we never got to watch yeah. them play. So we're just going off numbers. So like, how do you like how do you go back and look at like the 1923 season and decide how good it See, was? That's a, that's the, the part that I, I don't get. I tr- what I tried to do is I. You know, I, I tried to look at the the big picture because, you know, we've had this conversation before. Like the the NHL today is, you know, all the players are 100 times better than they were right. in the 20s. Like if you went back in a time machine to watch NHL hockey in the 20s, you wouldn't even – it would probably be unwatchable. And I did – you know, I tried to sort of factor in look at everything from the perspective of the era. And, I you know, I had seasons ranked high from the 40s and from the 50s and – and even even a few from the 30s, but but you go back to like the 20s. I don't think I had any of those seasons ranked all that high. And in fact, some of the some of the lowest ones. Like there was a point 10 years in where there was a season where the NHL averaged less than three goals a game. There were 220 games, 120 of them ended in a shutout. <laughs> and, and that was the year before they basically legalized the forward pass. And that was so, back. I mean, that was I, back when guys were like, "You don't understand, though. This zero-zero game is just as good as a four-three game." Yeah, okay. yeah. They're, they're like, "Well, what do you want? Okay, Some high-scoring, highfalutin two-to-one game? Is that what you? <laughs> your generation needs three goals a game to be interested." No. Yeah. So I mean, I can't. Like, I I had a big block of games from from then, even like the first season. I know, like, you know, from a history perspective, 1917, 1918, Hey, one one of the most important seasons ever. Launched the league. Uh, but there were four teams and one of their arenas burned down five games into the season. And then there were three teams and they just finished the season with three teams. Like that's not, that's not a good season. <laughs> that's a, that's a, it's an, it's an important season, but it's not, you know, when, when 25% of your league vanishes because their arena burns to the ground, that's, that's not, that's not great. What's it's your, not optimal. What's, what, wait, what, what was your worst season? Well, the, the worst one, that was the, the easy one that's the other one that i'll that i won't get any pushback on because i took the 2004 2005 non-season season so oh, okay the lockout year that was like that was like my way to ease in get everyone on board you know everybody's every we all get to agree for for one and then we get to spend 99 spots any, well, 98 spots arguing and then we get to number one and and no rational person any of the uh any of the lockout seasons crack the top 50 no, I think I had uh well, like top 50 the 2013 
the Blackhawks year, I basically, I think my summary for that was that it was as entertaining as a lockout season could possibly be, which was to say it was like, it was okay. I think I had it like around the middle of the pack and, and that was it. All right. I mean, if I was doing a list, I think, I think I would probably have the same number one as you, even though I was, Excellent. I was only 14 Good. at the time, but I was 16 during the lockout season, and that was when I loved the Devils, and the Devils won the Cup. And even I could tell you, like that season, that like that season is patient zero for why the NHL is bad today. It really is because yep. that's when that's when Mario Lemieux and everybody got hooked and held, and people were like, "Oh, you can do this. Let's do this for the next 15 years." And that's how we kind mm-hmm. of are where we are today. So, apologies to to everybody out there. I I I, I would have discouraged Devils from doing it, but I was just happy they won at the time, so I didn't care. That's on me. I'm sorry. The the only positive from that season, the only good thing that happened, the rumors that the Devils were going to move to Nashville, even as they were winning the Stanley Cup, that led to Gary Bettman going on Fox, Fox during yeah. for an, an interview during intermission in New Jersey. We're not going anywhere. We're staying. And and just getting absolutely destroyed by the fans because they did they did it like. Yeah, like in front of the crowd and yeah. the crowd. I mean, if you've never seen that YouTube clip, you got to find it because they are chant like they are like loud, very clear obscenities being chanted at him. Like that, and, and then of course they win the cup that night and they just blew the crap out of Gary Bettman because the feeling was that he wasn't doing anything to stop this team from moving. Which is that was ground zero for booing Gary Bettman. Like it wasn't an original six team. It wasn't in Canada. It was New <laughs> Jersey that started that. Uh, and, and it's become the tradition ever since, but that, that was the one, the one highlight was Gary Bettman just getting absolutely savaged by New Jersey fans who were 20 minutes away from seeing their team win a Stanley cup. And they thought at the time, 21 minutes away from seeing their team move to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good league. Speaking of uh, how good the league is, um, this is one thing we wanted to do before we got to the, the reader mail, the NHL network every so often puts out a list of stuff. It's best defenseman, best center, best rookies, best all-time, whatever. And the lists are always bad. They, they they really are. Like I feel like at the NHL Network, people put like seven seconds of thought into it, and it just comes out terribly. But they did one yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. And uh, Mark Lazarus of the uh, Chicago – hold on, let me tap on his thing. I always forget. Sometimes there's all those Chicago papers. He loves to screenshot these and tweet them out because he, I think he just likes to piss people off. But the NHL Network put out the top captains of all time, which I don't know how the hell you're doing that. But um, number one was Mark Messier. Number two was Jean Beliveau. Uh, three was Iserman. I guess you had to put Messier one because the NHL made up an award for him. And uh, Jonathan Taves is seventh on the list, ahead of George Armstrong of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Crosby's 10th. Lemieux is 11th. Char is 19th. Dick Clapper. number nine. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, Wayne Gretzky, who was on all the other teams that Messier was on, is is ninth. So that's why they won. It really wasn't so much the talent of Messier and and Gretzky. It was was the leadership. And Daniel Alfredson uh, checking in at the bottom of the list, number 25. And I just, I don't know why anybody looks at these lists Anyway, Can I tell you, I and I, I wrote a thing about this for for my Friday column, but I'll I'll, I'll just reiterate it here. I love this list so much. <laughs> you do because I do, and I'll tell you why. Because, <laughs> like you say, the, the NHL Network does a lot of these rank lists, and and as somebody who myself 
does a lot of these lists, you know, you, you put them out and nobody's ever happy. People always argue with you. Like I say, that's part of it. You gotta, you gotta expect that, but there's really two, there's two things you can do. Number one is you just kind of shrug and go, okay, this is, this is, I'm going to put the list out there and people won't, won't necessarily agree, but we're going to have the discussion. And that's, that's the point. Or number two is you just go full on troll mode. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm just going to make as many people angry as I can. And this clearly is the NHL network. Just, to, I mean, you couldn't go into a laboratory and design <laughs> something that was more perfectly put together to just a outrage hockey fan. Like they start off with something that is completely subjective and they have no measurement. Like when they None. do their top 25 centers or whatever, like we can look at the point totals and we can look at this and that. Like there's nothing here that we can go on. And they just put this list together and you can just see them. I, I just picture them all sitting around a table, just laughing so hard as they're like, put Jonathan Daves ahead of Wayne Gretzky. Put Mario Lemieux who came back from cancer outside the top 10. Put him behind Crosby. It'd be funny. Like put him behind, put him behind Crosby. Let's have, you know, let, let's put Ron Francis who got stripped of his captaincy in Hartford. Uh, put, put him <laughs> ahead of, ahead of Ted Lindsay. And, and, you know, or it, it, the the other two that I liked that, that you haven't mentioned is number 21, Darren Hatcher. Clearly, sure. they just realized they didn't have any Americans on the list. <laughs> and they had to find, like, they had to Google, like, first American captain win a cup. And they put him there. And they're like, Darren Hatcher? Really? That wasn't Mike Madano. I'm pretty, like, I'm surprised they didn't put Mike Madano. Isn't it Kevin Hatcher? It's Kevin, isn't it? Oh, Darren. Had Mike Madano in there, and then we're, and then, like, took him out after they realized he actually wasn't the captain and it was Darren Hatcher and they had to swap him in at the last minute. Uh, and, uh, and, and then, oh yeah, Pierre, Pierre Pillot, who was left off of the top 100. Yeah. Top 100 (laughs) in arguably the the biggest non Evgeny Malkin snub, like gets the clear makeup call here. Like this is like when you get high sticked in the face and the ref doesn't see it. So, you know, he he just finds a he finds a phantom hooking call on the next shift to make it up to you. This is, and I just you're going down the list. I mean, you got the uh, number five Ray Bork. That's the one that's my favorite because, yeah. like, okay, so so you're doing this list and it's like Mark Messier, bunch of cups, Jean Beliveau, bunch of cups, Eiserman, bunch of cups, Scott Stevens, bunch of cups, and then it's Ray Bork, who who who, who, who won did, one cup after right. asking his team to trade him yes. somewhere better. And then Bobby Clark cups, Jonathan Taves cups, all these guys, you know, and, and Gretzky's behind him. So like what like how like I want to know what went on in the conference room in Secaucus when they were discussing this as as a round table. I, I Ray Bork, the, I, the Ray Bork's top five. Yeah. Uh why was Daniel Alfredson who left his team as a free agent. Joe Sackick <laughs> who tried to leave his team as a free agent. People forget yeah. he signed with the New York Rangers and in 97 but they they matched the offer sheet so you know, apparently that was great leadership and even like as soon as you heard that they were doing this list, we all knew Mark Messier was going to be number one because if you, you know, it's, it is now just taken as gospel in the NHL that Mark Messier is not just the greatest leader in hockey history. He's the greatest leader in the entire history of sports and, and maybe, maybe just the entire history of the world. You know, they, they pick presidents, generals, sure, prime ministers. I think Mark, I think it's Mike Messier. Churchill, you know, maybe maybe a few other guys, but I, I think it's clearly Patton. Mark Messier is the great Patton. Is, yeah, Mark Messier is the greatest leader of all time. Let's 
and and I I have no basis to say that's not the case. I was never a player on a Mark Messier team. Certainly, play, people who were players on his teams have spoken glowingly about his leadership abilities. But like, can we just can we go down the the resume here? Like, captain of the Edmonton Oilers walked out on his team right before a season started and demanded a trade. <laughs> Got himself traded to New York, won the Stanley Cup there, walked out on the team again, held out before the the start of the next season, nearly missed the banner raising ceremony, which was going to be a big thing in New York, that Mark Messier wasn't going to be there for that, signed a contract a couple of hours before and, and gets to that game. Plays a couple more years in New York, bolts as a free agent to go to Vancouver, Becomes the captain of Vancouver, but that's not on the list, which I, it's mm-hmm. another small <laughs> detail that I love that they list him as the captain of the Oilers and Rangers. And so there's clearly a Canucks fan in the room at the NHL network to pretend that that whole thing never happened. Does three years in Vancouver, becomes the most hated player in franchise history, and then comes back to the Rangers for four more years and leads them to no playoff spots not not a single and, and they and that was back when there was no salary cap but the rangers spent all this yes. money on talent and they still could not crack the top eight in the conference like it's just so miss <sighs> he, he's yeah so walked out on at least one team maybe two got himself bought out in vancouver and then sued the team uh and no playoff appearances in his last seven years and like this this is the guy that we have all agreed mm-hmm. is unquestionably the greatest leader that the entire sport has ever seen yeah nick nick listrom is only 10 spots behind them what are you gonna do um we it's we got some time left here to do some of the the reader questions that we we solicit at vice biscuits on twitter uh all one word i i saw you uh you you quote tweeted it any any questions directly for you that you liked or do you want to just uh tell you what you you start with a few and i'll see if i can find one here that uh Okay, we well, see, I like. I always feel bad when people ask questions about the stuff we talked about for the first 30 minutes, but you know what? We we gave you we gave you the good stuff there, John Morrell. Uh John Fisher wants to know, what would be your ideal outdoor game? Teams, venue, weather, time of year. Whatever whatever your heart desires. What what, what would you what would you come up with as your next outdoor oh, game? Man. What have we not what have we not done yet? That that's the thing. Yeah. I feel like we've kind of covered a lot of it. I mean, the the one matchup that they haven't done from from a Canadian perspective they is is Toronto Montreal and the problem there is neither city really has a great venue yeah to put it in I wonder if there's like a a, a neutral spot where you could what if you, you open the, the roof you could do it anywhere I open mean, the roof on the Sky Dome could that would be something maybe you know, know you know what you know what would be the best uh, is is you do Toronto Montreal on Parliament Hill. Oh, in Ottawa, and you, and then you just put a camera on Eugene Melnick, and every Senators <laughs> fan is there. They're like, "Wait, you told us we couldn't," and they're like, "Yeah, we made it work for these two teams." Yeah, we actually figured it out. Sorry. Yeah, we got ninety thousand fans uh, packed uh, packed in here, and uh, yeah, that would that would be it. That the Senators really would wind up in Houston midway through the second period, but like it would be buried on the sixth page of the newspaper the next day. Uh, uh bruce race what, what would you do as your outdoor? oh, oh uh, you, i've I already like your idea the the tampa nashville one yeah tampa nashville and bristol is the thing i always the bristol motor speedway is the thing i always go to but that's never going to happen that's and even and I, the, the you, other one is the international idea like where you where you go and do it in in some other country like i yeah like, but, i, I kind of like that i feel like that's the next step but like, is there is there a big enough like obviously like if you go to England you can do it at Wembley you can do it at Twickenham and all those different places the NFL plays but 
I don't know, would, would 80,000 people flock to London to watch, even if it was a really good game? I, I feel know. like you'd have to do it in, like, in Europe somewhere. Like, I feel yeah, like, if you'd, but, like, what's you know, the stadium, like, in though? Sweden or Finland or something, and, and you had the right players. Uh, you know, kind of like what they did the, this year, sending sending Carlson and the Senators over, but on a on a bigger stage. I, I feel like something like that could work. Yeah, you're right. If you went to a market that, that, that wasn't really a big hockey market, you would run the risk of, you know, you don't want 8,000 people in an 80,000-seat stadium. Yeah, you don't want it to be like an actual Ottawa Senators home game. But a bunch. <laughs> Uh, Bruce Racine wants to know, why does the NHL consider changing the distinct kicking and hitting the puck in with your body parts rules? Uh, I think it would increase scoring, albeit marginally, but more importantly, get rid of the gray area that currently exists. I agree, man. Like, I, I just, yeah. I don't, it, I, don't I, I agree too, but it's a safety issue. They, yeah. they don't want players swinging their skates in the crease around goalies. Like the, the, the argument is you've got a goaltender reaching for the puck and yeah, I mean, he's got a big blocker, a big you know, a big glove, but he's reaching out with his arm and you don't want players who are tight, who have their sticks tied up, just swinging and kicking with, with skate blades and, and that the potential for a significant injury of some sort is kind of outweighs the, uh, the, the, the benefit. I I'm, I'm fine with, you know, letting them glove the puck in you know, obviously not catch it and throw it, but you know, bounce it in off or, or was it Andrew Shaw who, Bounced it in off his head a few years ago. Yeah, he headed it in. Yeah, we all found out that apparently you can't do that. I, I, you know, I'm I'm all for allowing that, and I think they did a good thing by changing the the skate rule so that to allow deflections in that, and and I think you'll, uh, I think that's something you're going to see more and more over time become a thing in the NHL where where players get good at making sure their skates in position to deflect something. But if if you let them you let them kick away, it's it's it it, it would create some more offense and uh but i think it would be inevitable that at some point you're going to have somebody really get their arm gashed and and that's what the league wants to avoid their arm come on they're not going to do bicycle kicks in the crease they're just going to angle their no, foot you never a know, they're going to be you know they're they're going to be swinging away and and you know who knows it, it doesn't it, it it doesn't take it doesn't take much uh, you know, or even if it's, you know, just a gloves in the wrong place and, you know, and a wrist gets exposed or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's, it's, it's a risk that isn't, I don't think is worth taking for something that would add a handful of goals a year, but, and, and, and ugly looking goals too. It's not like we're opening up the game at all and, and, and making it more, more fun to watch. It's, uh, I just figure a few ugly goals. I don't think is worth the risk. I just figure guys are kicking the puck along the wall all the time when they're battling for the puck, and they can't get their stick down there. And no one, no one's slicing open, you know, feet. Yeah, but nobody's nobody's reaching their hand in to to grab that puck while that's happening. Who's reaching there? Oh, you mean oh, you mean like the goalie? The goaltender. Yeah. So I think that's that's always the way it's been explained to me, and I think I can. I think I can see the logic in that. How about this? How about the only way you can kick it in is if you actually bicycle kick it in. That, that this this way, it's a pretty goal, and in this way, sure. if someone gets cut, it's still it's it's a beautiful goal. And so it's like it'd be like the high the opposite of the high stick rule. You can't you have to be over the crossbar. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any. There's no. <laughs> that seems completely safe. Yeah. Let's. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that would be all right. I'm not playing. Who cares? Um, Olivia, I'll give you one here. Go ahead, got, give me uh, one. Derek wants to know which team that is solidly in a playoff spot will not make the show in April. Oh, solidly. I'm assuming by the show he means the playoffs and not 
this podcast because or or major league baseball's major leagues because that's that's usually what i think of as the show you know you got to get to the show well let's see um entrenched in the playoffs solidly in solidly in see like i don't really know like in the east right now the 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 devils have 43 points right but they're they're only i feel like the devils are the pick but they're only six points from being out so i'm like i don't know how solid that is um let me see this is a good question there's there's them and i mean the other one is 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 vegas but i mean they're they're seven points up now like they're building a cushion they have a rough at some point i'm gonna have to come around on the vegas golden knights i'm not there yet yeah Every every week I'm like I'm like should I write should I write the story that says the Vegas Golden Knights are for real and I'm just like no not yet I'm not gonna do it I'm not I'm not gonna get roped in yet I'm gonna say uh, I don't really believe it though but I'll say it I'll say I'll say St Louis because wow. I feel like because like I, I don't want to pick a team that's only five six points up and right now they're nine points clear of a playoff spot but they've played thirty five games they played more games than pretty much everybody in the West I don't really know if I totally buy how good they are based on the, where they are in the standings, but I just don't know if anyone's going to catch them, but what the hell? I'll say St. Louis. Okay. That's good. I mean, saying outrageous things that you do not actually believe yeah. is a, it's an untested strategy in the sports writing world, but <laughs> I feel like you might be onto something. Uh, you got any more questions you want to do or do you want to, you want to uh, wrap it up? Scan kind of quickly through, but producer Mitch has not, has not, spoken into my ear yet so I, I feel like we're not pressured but we started late so maybe he's he's he wants us to stop but who care he's another five minutes according five to minutes. mitch oh, we got plenty of time oh we let's do it time then um yeah lots of people wanted to know about the uh, captain's list jacob Bourne. jacob Bourne says which team will end up being better the u.s world junior team or the u.s olympic team oh man the, the olympics a, is going to be so that's a good question like I hate saying this. I hate saying that like, oh, the Olympics is going to be bad. The team's going to be terrible because it's going to be like 20 guys who are living their absolute dream and have, you know, worked their entire lives to get there. Yeah, but it's not going to be good. <laughs> I, I mean, I would I would rather see uh, if, if the NHL is not going to be at the Olympics. I like I'd rather see them do like they do with soccer and, and do it as like a, a world junior tournament or or something like that. Or my other idea that I pitched a few weeks ago was that they should just break the format completely, ignore all the past rules, and just determine that the women's gold medal is going to be a seven-game series. Ooh, yeah. Because we know it's going to be Canada-US. Right. right. Well, I mean, I, I, well eh, there's always that, like, fit, like there's much. like the Finnish team has that goaltender, and, like, I feel like there's there's one game every tournament where she plays Canada to the U.S., and she has, like, 55 saves through two periods, but then, like, she eventually breaks in the third because she's a human being yeah. and can't possibly stop 90 of 90 shots. But, well, for, for my plan to work, it has to be USA-Canada, so let's do yeah. this. We announce that the gold medal is going to be a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. We do the round robin, and then, like, when Canada or the U.S. is playing Finland, if they lose that game in the semifinals... We then go. Oh, did did we not tell you that it's a it's a two out of three? Yeah, yeah it's a, it, this is a two out of three, and then then I'll take care of it. Yeah, and, and yeah, we keep doing it until we get U.S. and Canada. But that, I mean, that would be that would save the Olympics because they're, uh, you know, they're they're the two best teams. There's a history there, and they hate each other, which would be great. Like, I mean, they hate each other in when they play once. So imagine seven games and. Two weeks, 
I would watch the crap out of that. I don't know if they hate each other. Didn't didn't two women on the opposite teams get married <laughs> and did, have a kid? Yeah, well, yeah. That, was, that was the one thing. Yeah, like the two. Except uh, for that, they, they hate each other. Except <laughs> that one player from each team got married, and then they they uh, recently adopted a child. It's like, wait, so they didn't all hate each other? They were actually friendly and actually really friendly. Oh wow, I didn't realize. I that. mean, this is I, this is your you want a modern day Romeo and Juliet? I mean, this is I, I picture them like sneaking off uh, like on, onto balconies and stuff to communicate and uh because yeah both both of their forget their families not approving it's their nations do not approve and they're and they're both retired now so i i didn't realize that at first i thought they were still active but i was imagining like like how do you how do you lay out the person you love the most in the world while she's skating at you with her with her head down like you have a shot clean shot and it's like well if i lay her out she's gonna go to the hospital if she goes to the hospital i gotta take care of the kid all that that sort of attitude is why america will never beat canada in hockey (laughs) we're too soft take the shot take the shot Uh, I think that's a good note to end on. I feel like we've sure. I feel like we've touched on plenty of stuff and we've 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 opened our hearts to the idea that the US and Canada can have love between each other much like the love we have between between us. <laughs> well, on that note, I believe you can go to um the the iTunes and give us five stars even though, you know, we 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 kind of alienated you at the beginning of the podcast with our with our talk of greed and, and, and self-satisfaction, you can go to Twitter and uh, follow us on Twitter at Vice Biscuits. In case you, you probably follow us on our own Twitter accounts, but we have the Vice Biscuits there just so you can kind of concentrate the biscuits, you know, get the biscuits all in one spot as opposed to, you know, the leaf scraping and the, and the, the, the fact that I'm watching a Friends episode for the 55th time in a row. And um, thank you for listening. Uh, read Sean's stuff. Read my stuff. I think, actually, after all my bitching about doing a list, I think I'm going to do a, a thing about who the best player is in the NHL currently right now because I don't think I have the answer as of this moment. Do so it. And rank them and be sure to factor in leadership. Well, I mean, I'm going to weigh it very heavily towards leadership. Have they ever have they ever walked out on their own team? Have they ever <laughs> you, you attempted hate, to force a trade? Those I, I, are the kind of criteria you're looking for. I always thought I hated Mark Messier more than anybody, but man, you really, really hate Mark Messier. I love it. No, first of all, you don't hate Mark Messier more than anybody because you're not a Vancouver Canucks fan. I was a Devils fan as a kid, though. He ruined no, my 1994 you, season. Trust me, man. You can't get. I've I've oh. never seen visceral hatred for anybody. Certainly, anybody who played for a team like like Canucks fans it's it's frightening and I mean this like these are Canucks fans like they, they're pretty good at hating things they want I mean they burned their city down after a after a game seven uh, one time and they're that's yeah. still nowhere near uh if, if you ever meet a Canucks fan just like subtly make it work in some reference to Mark Messier and Trevor Linden and, <laughs> and just sit back and watch the fireworks it's great all right. Well, uh, that's it for this for this week. If Mark Messier wants to come on as a guest, just uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter and let us know. Uh, see ya. Bye. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.